Okay, that's better. <laughs> it worked that time. Yeah. I, I confuddled Emily by saying three, two, one, and go. <laughs> <laughs> so I clicked on the and. And the whole thing was out of whack. Yes. The things did not align up and it would have been an absolute nightmare to edit. And you're all very welcome to Rowan and Pine. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to our winter solstice edition of Rowan and Pine because it's actually going up on winter solstice, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And made it exciting. a little bit easier for me to come up with stuff. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't like, what am I going to do? It just, it wrote itself. <laughs> Even though like, I was like to you and I was like, oh, we'll do like this festival of winter solstice and he kind of pulled the face and I was like, I'll do some stories and stuff too. <laughs> he doesn't really get the whole like crafting and, and oh my goodness, folk customs and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, kind of the reason why we started this. So uh, Judgy McGee over there, he's always yeah. like poo pooing your ideas. <laughs> yeah, he's my my harshest critic for sure. So yeah, this will be coming out to you on uh, Wednesday, the 21st of uh, December. I was going to say September for some stupid reason. <laughs> We're a little bit beyond that at this point. Do even know? It's always dark anyway, so <laughs> it's the endless night. The winter solstice is the longest night of the year. Um, it usually falls on December twenty first or the twenty second, but because we're inclusive here, that's only in the northern hemisphere. Um, <laughs> so the longest night in the southern hemisphere is actually June twentieth or twenty first. So Australian people, we're sorry, we're about six months late for you, but you know maybe you can listen to this again in June. Find an Australian podcast that talks about these same things. But please don't stop listening to us. <laughs> You're our best friend. I don't feel too bad for them. Like all of my friends and family who live in Australia, I'm just looking at their Instagram stories. And like it was horribly cold and dark here in Ireland all week. And they're all at like beach parties. <laughs> Because so it's funny. literally the height of summer. Yeah. <laughs> it is so wild to think of like when you're freezing. It's like, oh, but the lower half of the world, <laughs> they're in summer. Yeah. They're all just wearing bikinis with Santa hats. Like, what so are you doing? Funny. I even think that about like Texas and California. <laughs> and they're still in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are just like in bikinis right now, aren't you? But then like the the people who are in like California and Florida and stuff like that, they're like, we're freezing. And I'm like, oh, what is it? Like 60 degrees. Such a weird concept, like a warm yeah. Christmas. I don't yeah. know. I just find it so I don't strange. Like it. People are like, but we decorate the palm trees. I'm like, ew. <laughs> I like snow. Um, I don't so much like ice. Um, and I like I like it being kind of dark early or like dark because I like it being yeah. cozy and I like uh, having lamps on and never putting the big light on, which, you know, I married the wrong guy there apparently <laughs> because he will forever ruin my day by coming in and turning on like the big yeah. overhead light, which is an absolute travesty. What are you doing? Yeah. Do you not see the vibes I have cultivated <laughs> in this room with my candle and my incense and my lo-fi hip hop? We were just talking about this last night because like our living room and dining room are kind of like one big room, basically. So we were like in the living room watching TV and I turned on like a lamp in the dining room <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> He went to turn it off and I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, why do you need this on? And I was like, it's cozy. And he was like, we're not even in this room. And I was like, but it just creates a whole ambiance. Don't touch the lamp. Yeah. An overhead light is just so severe. Yeah. It just makes me grumpy. Yeah. I don't know why it makes me grumpy, but it does. I just like turning on a lot of lamps because I'm a terrible person. And he acts like yeah. they're like high wattage bulbs. <laughs> Oh my god, do not even get me started on this. Like, Ewan's there and he'll have like his Xbox on standby and then he'll come in and when I have like one little lamp on or like some fairy lights and he's like, does that need to be on? And I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. Get out of this room. I'm like, this is like a 20 watt bulb. Just calm down. My god. Like the arguments that I had had over the years over like leaving Christmas lights on or like turning them on too early in the day. That's so funny. Because I'm like, as soon as it starts getting, especially like this time of year when it starts getting dark at like 3 p.m. Yeah. And I'll like have the Christmas lights on. Yeah. And um, it's just like, do they need to be on now? It's like, yes, they do. The prettiest time. It's only time, here for a few weeks a year. Yeah. And the prettiest time to have Christmas lights on is like in twilight when there's still yes. kind of like that glow in the sky. I don't mm -hmm. know. I find that the prettiest. <laughs> yeah. When oh, it's dark, it's still pretty, but it's not quite as pretty. And when it's dark, you can't really see like outside. Like, it's nice when yeah. you can see, like, you can still see the trees and, like, the silhouettes of stuff outside. 
And then right. some like Christmas bulbs. And yeah, it's just, it's a vibe and men need to stop messing with it. Specifically our husbands. Yeah, our husbands. What the fuck? Well, no, as as much as I have heard about it, like it's other other men too. I don't know why. I don't know why you can't just appreciate some soft ambiance. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> some warm lamps come on so yeah it's winter solstice everywhere in the northern hemisphere i'm gonna do a quick little rundown of some festivals and traditions throughout the northern hemisphere and then we're gonna bring it back to europe and to some germanic customs because i feel like germanic and nordic countries just do this time of year really well as we had seen with the yule lads and with krampus in Emily's <laughs> episode it's just so fun and um, yeah. it gets me in the, like the festive mood. I don't know about you guys, but um, yeah, me it does for me. <laughs> Speaking of like warmer places, um, there's actually a winter solstice festival in uh, Persia. Um, so it's like modern day Iran, Iraq. So it's called Yalda or Shab Yalda. It's a celebration of the winter solstice in they specifically say in this source in Iran that started in ancient times. It marks the, the last day of the Persian month of Azar. Yalda is viewed traditionally as the victory of light over dark and the birthday of the sun god Mithra. So families celebrate together with special foods like nuts and pomegranates and some families stay awake all night long to welcome the morning sun, which sounds really cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. I love like stay up all night. Like the only reason to stay up all night in Ireland is because there's a wake. <laughs> like it's just sad. <laughs> I can't think of any reasons to stay up all night here unless you're... Yeah. At a in sleepover. college, yeah, or <laughs> oh, yeah. in college and have to finish a paper or something like that. Oh god, yeah, war flashbacks. You just put like sirens in my head there, like, <laughs> staying up, pulling an all nighter, or like studying for an exam. You're like, yeah, I'll just sleep after the exam, and then you can't because you're so traumatized from how yeah. badly the exam went. Yeah. <sighs> and my uh-huh. in in art school, it was just like you need to get that fucking illustration done now. <laughs> And the only way you're going to get it done is if you stay up all night. We've probably all heard of the ancient Roman festival of Saturnalia. So it is probably the most closely linked festival with our modern celebrations of Christmas. So originally Saturnalia happened around the time of the winter solstice. So it was actually around 17th of December, but then it was extended first to like three days. So it would bring you up to the 20th. And then it was eventually, they were having so much fun at the Saturnalia Festival that they uh, dragged it out for seven days, <laughs> which is, wow. I can respect that. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love a seven day celebration? Absolutely. And the Romans, they did good parties, you know. Um, so the date, like 17th of December, has been connected with winter sowing season. Um, in modern Italy, that varies from October to January, probably February at this stage with our lovely global warming problem. Sowing like S-O-W. Yeah, sowing seeds. Not not like making a nice wee yeah, dress. Not like <laughs> yeah. not like sewing a quilt. Just wanted to clarify. So it was usually the liveliest festival of the year. All work and business was suspended. Slaves were given temporary freedom to say and do what they liked. They were treated like equals, um, which also should be extended to retail workers. Retail workers should be allowed to fight one customer every shift (laughs) during this time of year. Yeah, pretty much. Say if you work in retail or food Mm -hmm. service. You should be able to fight like one person (laughs) a day. (laughs) The most annoying person is just be like, I'm allowed to slap you, so... When my friend was um, quitting, she was a server with me, and it was like her last day. We were all like, okay, it's your last day. You need to like make a count. Like, if people are mean to you, just <laughs> just ream them. <laughs> yeah. When people are like complaining to you about something and you can just like, you just feel like going, I don't care. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. I did have a day like that, though, when I was a server. I had worked like such a long weekend and just like got my ass handed to me the whole weekend. And then it was Monday night, which was like, um, we had like a special where you could get like a burger and a pitcher of beer for like $5. And like, it was just ridiculous. But so like, you know, all the cheap asses would come in for their cheap food. It was like my final table of the night. And like, this woman got so mad at me because we had Pepsi and not Coke. And she's like, are you kidding me? And I would like looked at her and I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. You have choices of Pepsi. We don't have Coke. <laughs> and like her whole family just looked at me and I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. 
And then I asked one of my coworkers, I was like, you want to take over the table? Because um, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Like when people are complaining to you about something that is literally not like not a real problem. It's not a real issue. Or like they'll act like some like minor thing that's gone wrong has ruined their entire day. I know I know a guy who like worked in Smith's, which is like a, a chain of toy stores here. And um, he was like, you know, it's okay. Christmas. Um, it's officially Christmas when somebody tells you you've ruined their Christmas because they come in looking for some specific <laughs> toy. So sad. And then they'll tell you that you specifically ruined their Christmas because you don't have the toy that they're looking for. Yeah, I'm just a cashier. I'm sorry. I'm not in charge of like orders and stocking and things like that. I remember somebody telling me when I worked in like when I was a barista and we had like this menu item. It was like a like a baked frittata, like a baked omelette at um. This woman told me yeah. that she had driven like all the way from the top of the county. So about two hours for this specific omelette. And she was like, and you don't have any left. Wow. And I was kind of like, if your whole day like hinges on an omelette, like, I don't know what to tell you. And I just said, yeah, right. I was like, well, it does sell out pretty quickly because it's quite popular. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, well, if you knew, why the fuck did you wait until four o'clock to get here? Or like maybe just like call in advance and be like, yeah. can I purchase like yeah can you keep me some like (laughs) oh my god yeah it's wild out there working in where you have to serve people whatever that is i've only been out of the service industry i think this is my second christmas um so my heart goes out to everybody who is just barely hanging in there you've got a couple more days to go by the time this episode comes out elaine who was my former manager uh she listens to episode on release every day or every time we release an episode i was gonna say (laughs) i think she's like one of our biggest fans so elaine we dedicate (laughs) this one to you we hope you get to fight a customer saturnalia style yeah just go for it just do it we we stand with you what can they really do (laughs) they can't afford to fire you (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh solidarity to everybody in the service industry (laughs) on the other end rather than uh partying we have two different solstice traditions which honor bathing and relaxation so the festival of chaumas I hope I'm saying that right. It was a Pakistani celebration in which a small number of Kalash Kafir people observed the ritual of bats as part of a purification process. During the bats, there was also singing, chanting, dancing, bonfires, festive eating and a torchlight procession. So that festival lasted for seven days. During this time, the demigod Balaman passed through the Kalash region. He is said to be collecting prayers as he goes and is worshipped during the festival. So I like that, that it's like, I like the idea of going to a spa for the winter solstice. Like, I think we should, we should adopt that because it's also part of the culture in Japan. Japanese people observe uh, winter solstice by having a yuzu bath. So yuzu as in the citrus fruit. So the custom of taking a bath with yuzu started during the Edo period, uh, which is around the 1600s. The Japanese value the wisdom of their elders. So this tradition exists to this day. You literally put these citrus fruits in the bath and you bathe with them. And then it's thought that like in later times, it's because it actually packs a lot of vitamin C because it's a citrus fruit, which is essential to protect yourself against colds and flu. Wow. That sounds sounds really, really nice and relaxing. It does. Although like when I think of bathing with citrus, it makes me feel like it would dry your skin out. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I could see that. But I just, like, all I can think of is, because you know what lemon tea smells like? It would just smell so good. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, warm citrus yeah. all around Oh, my you. God. Give me that right now. <laughs> Neighbors to Japan is China. So in China, an important festival is the Dongji Festival. It's a time for family to get together and celebrate the year they have had. Based on the Chinese traditional celestial calendar, the holiday generally falls between the 21st and 23rd of December. And it was thought to have started as like an end of harvest festival. Workers return from the fields and enjoy the fruits of their labors with their family and special foods such as tang yon, uh, which are glutinous rice balls, are enjoyed. We enjoy anything that's uh, food related, celebrating harvests, you know. Right. Honoring the passing of the seasons. I was going to say, we always enjoy starchy oh, yeah. foods. Glutinous rice balls, yes. <laughs> High carbs. Give me them. <laughs> and of course, I could not mention the winter solstice without mentioning uh, Newgrange in Ireland. 
So I've talked about it like maybe once or twice on the podcast before. Newgrange is a large passage. They always taught it to us as being a large passage tomb. It's in more recent times they've talked about it being a temple. So it's in County Meath. It's a large like kidney shaped structure that's built into a hill. Every year on the winter solstice, the height of the sun passes through a specific opening in the chamber inside this temple and it lights up the entire chamber. So the chamber inside is shaped like a cross and it lights up the entire chamber. So if you're standing in it, it's just like the entire thing is like daylight. This was built thousands of years ago. They reckon it's older than the pyramids. So the engineering needed to build this, just like as people say about Stonehenge, because it's also a solstice location. It's just absolutely amazing that they were able to like build it so that the exact position of the sun in the sky during the longest night of the year, the shortest day of the year, can fill up this entire chamber. That's just absolutely amazing to me. Like on one specific Mm -hmm. day, it works. And then all the other days it doesn't. Very impressive. So like obviously it's a huge tourist attraction. They can't accommodate people. So there's actually a lottery to get in there each year. There used to be like a five-year waiting list, but like that wasn't working. (laughs) The draw takes place in September of each year. Successful people are notified in mid-October. And then there's a wait list as well, just in case people can't make it for the day because they don't want anybody to miss out. And there's usually, I'll check and see, there's usually like a live stream so you can you can watch watch the chamber being lit up. So you don't really have to go there. You don't have to go there now. <laughs> um, but I'm sure it's a lot more impressive in person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But if you're a homebody, you can still attend. <laughs> so that is bringing us back to Europe. Europe has lots of traditions, lots of folklore surrounding the winter solstice. Winter solstice traditionally in Europe is the first day of Yule, but we're going to bring it back just to the night before. So the night before the winter solstice in Saxon and Anglo-Saxon times uh, was the eve of Yule. So it's called Modranit, if I'm saying that right, So which means Mother's <laughs> Night. I love how I'm saying that as if you know. Yeah, I'm like, I have no idea. You tell me. (laughs) Mojo night. (laughs) Details on the original festival are a little bit sketchy. The only surviving account we have is from a historian from the 8th century called Bede, B-E-D-E. He indicated that people, just like in the earlier festivals that we were talking about, they stayed up through the night. They were sort of like sowing. It was sacrifices and feasting happening and um, it's now evolved so modern like heathens or pagans use it to celebrate uh, like a new year festival and also it celebrates their maternal line so because it's mother's night they use it to honor all the uh, mothers uh, back through their lineage that have brought them here today so it's a real like feminine beautiful honoring festival so mother's night that's cool yeah so instead of mother's day Mm -hmm. It's Mother's Night. And it's a little bit more metal because it was sacrifices happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gotta love a sacrifice. So the first day of Yule always occurs on the winter solstice. It's the beginning of the coldest season. First 12 days were when the spectral wild hunt was most likely to race across the night sky. It was also the opening of the underworld's gates. And when measures of protection were required for everyone, but especially for the young and the sick, one of those methods of protection was mistletoe, which is why it's associated with Yule. And it's long been considered a magical plant for its medicinal as well as spiritual properties. For example, to the Celts, it was highly esteemed because it grew on sacred oaks. So oaks were their most sacred tree and it offered protection and enhanced fertility. The wild hunt. The wild hunt is something that I was saying to Emily. It's always something that I kind of heard of or it's like I've seen it referenced in like fantasy media and in books, but it's something that I never really looked into properly. Who are the wild hunt? Well, in the Germanic tradition, the Nordic god Odin, who was also known as Wotan, leads the wild hunt on an eight-legged horse called Sleipnir. And I'm actually very proud of that because it's spelled S-L-E-I-P-N-I-R. I I was like, I bet you I'm pronouncing that wrong. And you and happened to be playing World of Warcraft with a Danish guy and asked him how to, spelled it out and asked him how to pronounce it. And he was like, Sleipnir? He's like, why are you asking about that? That's that's amazing. Yeah. It's like, oh. Oh, no reason. (laughs) Uh, Odin leads the wild hunt on his eight-legged horse, Sleipnir, followed by the Valkyries. So Valkyrie, I didn't know, actually means chooser of the slain. 
Interesting. The Valkyries are in Norse mythology a group of maidens who served Odin and were sent by him to the battlefields to choose the slain who were worthy of a place in Valhalla. After Valhalla, they will eventually fight by his side during Ragnarok, which is the Norse end of times. Also in this big group of wild hunters are the ghosts of dead heroes riding their horses and a bunch of black hounds baying at their feet. And the whole thing is soundtracked by blowing hunting horns, which sounds absolutely terrifying to see going across the night sky. Yeah, and then hearing those horns. Dogs, horses, horns. I'm sure the Valkyries aren't quiet because they sound like badass ladies. Probably not. (laughs) They're probably screeching or something. It's pretty freaking metal when you think about it, like these horses and Odin and dogs and female warriors and ghosts which um yeah if there's anything that we've learned in this podcast is that most things are pretty freaking metal pre-christian <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it's super cool it's like like in like a lot of metal music there's a lot of like norse mythology and imagery and stuff like that you can see why yeah so odin is known by two particular names relating to this time of year yolnir and yaluhera both of these roughly mean master of yule so what happens if you encounter the wild hunt? Well, apart from shit in your pants. <laughs> if an unlucky traveller happened to be caught outside at the time the wild hunt were travelling across the sky, he or she would be judged on their purity of heart, their courage and their sense of humour. As one should be judged. As, yeah. Honestly, that should be like a Tinder thing. It's like your purity of heart, your courage and your sense of humour. That's what, what more do you need? <laughs> yes. That's all you need to find out if you want to be with a person or not. So if the traveler passed judgment, they could go home with their shoes full of gold or be given food and drink. But if they did not pass judgment, they were doomed to a frightening nocturnal journey, which may claim their life. All the darkness would surround them and they're probably going to die on their way home. Shoes <laughs> full of gold, I think I would like. I'm just over here thinking about, okay, how do I develop an app? A dating app called The Wild Hunt. <laughs> That's sort of like an RPG. <laughs> oh my God. The nerds would love you. I know, right? They really, really would. Copyrighted, patented. Nobody take that idea. It would be like an app like just for cosplayers and for LARPers just dressed up as Odin. Although I feel like most men would be dressed up as Odin. It's like, no, no, no. I can't be like a lesser god or anything like yeah. that. I have to be like the master of Yule. Yeah. Have to be Odin. You know the way when people say that they're like time travelers and stuff or their famous ancestor or past life never seems to be like a peasant farmer from like such and such a time. It's like, no, I was Tutankhamun. Why are you, why is your past life that important? You're never just Johnny from the, from the fields. Like you're. (laughs) Johnny from the fields. (laughs) That's a precursor to Jenny from the block. That's Jennifer Lopez's ancestor. <laughs> Johnny from the fields, yeah. They always just have to be like some super important. It's like, oh yeah, like I went back in time. And Queen Victoria was my one of my past lives. Like, no, it fucking wasn't. Although to be fair, there were a lot fewer people at one point. So <laughs> you could probably trace a lot of people back to like eight people. Certain, yeah. <laughs> Might be related to Vlad the Impaler. Who knows? <laughs> So traditionally, children used to leave their boots or socks out by the hearth on solstice eve filled with hay and sugar for Sleipnir, which kind of sounds like us leaving out carrots for Rudolph. In return, Odin or Wotan would leave them a gift. In Christian times, the figure of Saint Nicholas was superimposed upon Odin and the kindly gift-bearing Santa Claus, Father of Christmas, escorted by reindeer was born. So they reckon that's why Santa flies because of Odin and the wild hunt. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really something that I would never have connected before. But I mean, as we saw in like our Santa, Santa-like, Santa-adjacent episode, Santa's an amalgamation <laughs> of so many things. Right, there's so many of them that kind of like, it starts as one thing and then it plays into this new thing and then that turns into like another thing. Kind of like the elf on, elf on a shelf. It's kind of just like, this thing came from where? When like, say somebody got converted to Christianity, there was clearly some stuff that they didn't want to let go of because you're like no 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 this is what happens and we're just going to keep doing it this way (laughs) like a christmas tree yeah exactly they were like no i need my christmas tree and the christians were like fine keep your tree but we're calling it a christmas tree yeah (laughs) if if you're gonna have to have a festival in winter i guess it could be around the solstice (laughs) like five days after Um, So the legend of the Wild Hunt has been adapted over the years, depending also on the geographical location. The leader of the hunt has been 
changed along with it. So in the Middle Ages, with heathen deities becoming a thing of the past, the hero of the story became historical characters such as Charlemagne or Frederick Barbarossa, who was a Holy Roman Emperor in the 12th century. They still wanted to, just like we were saying, they still wanted to keep the Wild Hunt, but they were like, we're just going to change. It's not Odin, it's this guy. Uh, In the 16th century, there was a German folk figure called Hans von Hacklenburg. It seems to be he was like a semi-historical figure. I'm likening him to, am I thinking of Paul Bunyan or Grizzly Adams? They're not the same person, right? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Paul Bunyan is a mythical. Paul Bunyan's mythical. Okay. It's like. I was like, which one of them isn't real? Yeah, it's not. Paul Bunyan is not real. Okay. But Grizzly Adams was. But I'm from Minnesota, so like, I okay. believe he's real, I guess. Just like Sasquatch. <laughs> I was teasing Emily last night that she's like a Marshall from How I Met Your Mother, because he's also from Minnesota and loves Sasquatch. <laughs> it's like a major like part of his character on that show. <laughs> I saw this woman on, I've been watching this like Christmas cookie challenge thing, or like competition, because I like baking and then I like watching like what these people create. But um, this one woman was making like Yeti oh. cookies. And she was like, I love Yetis. She was like, I have a bunch of Yeti ornaments on my tree. And I was like, we can we be friends? <laughs> because I want all the yeah. Yeti things. You don't want anybody who says that all these things don't exist. Because, I mean, they're just boring. Just let us live in a world where Yeti yeah. and Bigfoot and Sasquatch and whatever your uh, cryptid of choice is. <laughs> they all exist. <laughs> your cryptid of choice. <laughs> Hans von Hacklenburg was said to lead the wild hunt in the 16th century. Uh, so the story behind that, it recounts him slaying a boar, accidentally piercing his foot on the boar's tusk and poisoning himself. The wound was fatal Yikes. and upon his death, von Hacklenburg declared that he didn't want to go to heaven but instead continued with his treasured avocation, which was hunting. He was then forced to do this for eternity in the night sky or as recounted in alternate versions, condemned to lead the wild hunt. Sources cite his name as possibly being a corruption of an epithet of Odin's name. So Hans von Hacklenburg, in some ways, that's Odin, I guess. (laughs) Feels like a reach. Yeah, I was going to say, that's quite a stretch. (laughs) In Wales, there's another variation of the story purporting the leader of the wild hunt to be Gwyn Apnud. Or is it Apnud? I think it's Apnud. So Gwyn Apnud, which means Lord of the Dead. In the Welsh version, the Lord of the Dead is followed just by a pack of hounds with blood red ears. It's also very specific. So metal. I can't even imagine what that would look like because I'm look. I'm thinking about a beagle, but like also a beagle with very very red ears. <laughs> and beagles aren't scary. <laughs> no, not that. Scary. I think beagles and pugs are like the two least scary dogs. <laughs> beagles make a lot of noise though, which bothers me. So do pugs. <laughs> oh yeah, just breathing. Yeah, just breathing. <laughs> and then their eyes pop out. <laughs> like, and stuff. You've never never met a pug that is not like fighting for its life. <laughs> <laughs> Moments from death. It's always moments where I'm just like, because we've been watching this like vet show, The Incredible Dr. Pole. He's a veterinarian. It's just like a show about him and all of his veterinarian th- emergencies. It sounds like the American version of Super Vet. We have a, a Super Vet here and it's just, okay. it's just his practice and all of the patients that come in. Yeah. People will come in with their like French bulldogs or like, you know, like any dog that has like a shortened snout. And they're like, yeah, they're like coughing a lot and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, they can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why are we still making these dogs a thing? Yeah. It is really sad because they're just like. <laughs> Ever see like paintings of what pugs looked like 100 years ago? Do they have like real faces? Yeah. They have like proper noses. <laughs> they're just like, we have corrupted these little dogs. Make pugs great again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a movement that we can get behind. Make pugs pugs again. My God. Let pugs breathe again. Jesus. A lot of them, I feel like they came from like Asia. So there's a lot of like old like paintings from like Chinese dynasties and stuff where there'll be a pug in it and the pug has like an actual snout. (laughs) It's like, why are you doing this? And like French bulldogs, they can't mate naturally. They have to, that's why they're so expensive because their little heads are so, they've been bred for their... Heads to be so huge that they can't mount. Oh my god! Why are we what doing? What are we this? doing? This is upsetting. <laughs> yeah. My god! <laughs> I mean, they're so cute, but Jesus Christ, leave them yeah. alone. Just let them be, or breed them with something that has actually has like a nose. Funny, like pugs and beagles are like a a cross of that as a puggle, and they're pretty yeah. cute because they have little noses. 
They're like yeah. just bugs with little beagle noses. <laughs> and they look like they can, you know, run more than four feet. <laughs> and like their eyes aren't going to fall out. Yeah. <laughs> or like that they've just had some horrible news constantly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've offended the pug people. <laughs> Back to the solstice. <laughs> In England, uh, the Wild Hunt has sort of been adopted as their legend. So sounds like colonization to me. Just taking over stuff. Um, <laughs> the Wild Hunt in uh, English legend is the general term for, term for any ghostly or demonic huntsman or group of huntsmen accompanied by phantom hounds. They're usually seen or more often just heard galloping across the night sky. Spooky. It's actually to the point where each locality will have like different names for the wild hunt that they will hear going across the night sky. So in Cornwall, they're called Dando's Dogs. In Dartmoor, they're called Wish Hounds. And in Northern England, they're called Gabriel Hounds. And in Worcestershire, they have the real fun term called the Seven Whistlers. (laughs) (laughs) But what's most interesting is that they reckon... What happened to King Arthur after his death? He is now the leader of the Wild Hunt in England. Interesting. There are actual descriptions and accounts of people hearing or seeing the Wild Hunt, the earliest of which comes from the Peterborough Chronicle. This was after the appointment of a wicked abbot, abbot as in like a clergyman, in the year 1127. Uh, The account says, Soon afterwards, many people saw and heard many hunters hunting. The hunters were big and black and loathsome, and their hounds all black and wide-eyed and loathsome, and they rode on black horses and black goats. This was seen in the very deer park in the town of Peterborough and in all the woods that there were between this town and Stamford. Wow. Sounds like a sighting of My Chemical Romance. (laughs) The Black Parade. (laughs) It just reminds me of, like, you know the ringwraiths from Lord of the Rings? That had to be, like, an inspiration for the ringwraiths. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I was like, I can't remember, have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? So every time Frodo puts on the ring, there is this group of, they're called the Nazgul. They're like huntsmen who are all on horseback and they can only see Frodo when he puts on the ring. And he can see them in like a a shadow realm. So basically they're they're all like the the dead kid without going into like the whole fucking history of Lord of the Rings we don't have time <laughs> uh, nine of the nine of the rings of power went to the kings of men who are the human kings and it corrupted them all so then they became the ring wraiths in death and what they do is they just go around trying to find the one ring so when Frodo gets it into his possession they're constantly hunting him but they're like basically dead men on dead horses with big black hoods and the horses are all black and they're just oh. terrifying so yeah. that's what it sounds like to me. I don't yeah, know. It sounds pretty uh, like an accurate connection. I don't know if there's any Tolkien people who can tell us is that because I actually looked it up. I was like wild hunt. But everything that came up was um, just about the Witcher, the video game, Okay. because uh, there's one of them called the Witcher and the Wild Hunt. And there was all these people going, who would win in a fight between the Nazgul and the Wild Hunt from the Witcher? I'm like, this, <laughs> this is not helpful to me whatsoever you're like get me out of here (laughs) that's actually i don't know if you've encountered this but it's actually pretty annoying when you're trying to look up folklore and all you can find is like nerdopedia and like it's in this video game or it's in world of warcraft or it's in dungeons and dragons you're like no i want to find like yeah there was a page that i came across i don't remember what it was about but it, I thought it was like real like information. I'm like, okay, so yeah. I'm like reading through, and then at the end, it's like dives into like the like video game stuff. So all of yeah. a sudden, I was like, wait a second. I'm like, so this is like the lore for the video game. Yeah, <laughs> it's not real. And it's so like because a lot of it it'll be rooted in actual folklore, and then you'll like get to the very bottom, and it's just like, and how you kill this? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Make sure you you have 86 health, and you're like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did not realize that this was a video game thing. I'm like, get out of here, you fucking nerd! <laughs> <laughs> He's so mad because I spent like a half hour reading, and then I get to the bottom, and I'm like, wait, what? What? Yeah, and you're like, this is so detailed. This is such good stuff. I'm gonna say yeah. all of this in the podcast. It's okay though. We persevere. <laughs> that is the wild hunt, which tears across the sky during the winter solstice. But as I mentioned, the winter solstice is the beginning of Yule. And this section I've called Yule, it's metal. So this is also very metal. 
<laughs> I guess I'll have to bring back out my little guitar solo uh, from Probably. our Krampus episode for yeah. all of this. I really appreciated the uh, Krampus guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh every day because I kept forgetting that I put it and then I, I was re-listening <laughs> to it and then I heard a little guitar and I'm like, you don't need a name. Perfect. So the word Yule comes from the Old Norse Yule and the Old English Yule. Yule, no, Yule. It's G E with an accent, G E O H O L, which was a season of hunting after the harvest was done. Uh, and it fell in what we now call December and eventually became associated with the Christmas holiday. The first recorded use of the actual noun Yuletide was in 1475. So bring it right back. Wow. That's like American colonization times. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was going to say pre-US times, but it's not like US didn't exist. Well, the United States didn't exist. Right. The land did. The land, this continent, was here. Yeah. There was plenty of people there. Yeah. So the Yuletide season lasted from the end of November to the beginning weeks of January, but the Feast of Yule lasts three days over the winter solstice, marking the beginning of the new year. Uh, according to a Norse historian and someone who translated all of, you know, the old, like, sagas, as they call them, like the poetry. Yeah. Um, his name is Lee M. Hollander. Every nine years, Germanic farmers were compelled to come to the Temple Hof and make sacrifices and feasts over a prescribed period at the time of Yuletide. So it's also very, very metal. And I was like, in, sacrifices. In, insert guitar here. <laughs> yeah, in, insert guitar here. So Yule is celebrated in Germanic countries with animal sacrifices where the sanctified blood was then used to paint the altar, table posts, and if there was like a person leading the celebrations, would paint that person in blood as well. Wow. So he was literally, quote unquote, washed in the blood. After that, they had feasts, storytelling, drinking, all around a large communal bonfire. In one of the sagas, Yule is described as the, the time of greatest mirth and joy among men. I can see how that became Christmas. Apart yeah. from all the blood. Yeah. Why is red associated with Christmas? Now you know. <laughs> Why is Santa all dressed in red? Is he's covered in blood. So in one of the other sagas from Norway, the date of Yule was changed from the day surrounding midwinters, so the winter solstice, to the date that Christmas is observed. So that's how Yule became like the 25th of December. Um, okay. And what we, we consider Yule. So although all the sacrifices and the blood painting <laughs> were abandoned, <laughs> a lot of the Yuletide customs continued. They were absorbed into Christ Christian celebrations and Christmas traditions. One of which is, of course, the Yule Log. Couldn't do an episode about Yule without talking about the Yule Log. Yay! Our boy of the Yule Log. <laughs> the Yule Log is probably the only sort of sacrificial act that was adopted into Christmas. So you're basically sacrificing a tree. So originally it was a whole tree or a large tree trunk that was carefully chosen, felled and hauled into the longhouse. So that was like a communal place with great ceremony. The end of the trunk was laid on the hearth and then lit with a brand from the previous year's Yule fire. So they would always save a little bit of the Yule log from the previous year to light the next year. So it's this whole cyclical, never-ending uh, cycle of um, tradition. The rest of the tree stuck out of the hearth into the room and was like slowly burning, which is pretty funny. <laughs> like, oh, how is that working? <laughs> yeah. Fire department wouldn't be happy about that. I feel like they had to have people like watching it the whole time. So like as the tree burned, they were pushing more and more of it into the hearth. So that's how they managed to stretch out a Yule log to burn for 12 nights, which oh, is what okay. we consider our 12 days of Christmas. Wow, that's cool. In Christianity, you're supposed to light your Yule log on Christmas Eve and then it lasts until the feast, as you mentioned last last episode, the Feast of the Epiphany. And then at the very end, whatever was left over is saved for the next year. Yeah. With ev every tradition, there are good and bad omens and superstitions associated with it. The very first is that Yule logs should never be bought. I'm pretty sure my mom was guilty of buying Yule logs before, but she never burnt them. She would always, she would get a Yule log and there would always be little like candles things stuck in them so she would stick candles in it oh and there would be like some fake snow and holly we'd have it like on the table or like in the window or something like that okay yeah they shouldn't be bought don't be buying them from like dun stores or whatever walmart <laughs> <laughs> you're like how do i make an american reference <laughs> <laughs> no it's got to be i feel like that's part of the whole ritual is like going out and getting find your own log damn it <laughs> but like don't trespass or anything isn't it one of those Christmas movies? They go and like cut down their own tree rather than buying one. There are places where you can know. do that. Yeah, I've seen that there's places where you can rent your Christmas tree. So 
you keep you keep it in a pot and then you bring it back to the place at the end and oh. they'll replant it for next year. Interesting. Which I think is pretty cool. That is like cool. It means that you don't have like a dead tree the whole time. And the yeah. smell of pine will be way better from a living tree. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to cut down my own Christmas tree, but I don't know that there's any places nearby that allow you to do that. But I know that there are places where you can go and you can actually like go out and cut down a tree and it's mm. like perfectly legal. You're not like trespassing yeah. and <laughs> taking other people's property. Yeah. You're not just like somebody's had this tree in their garden for like years and you're just like, <laughs> I'll have that one. Yeah, you look at your neighbor's house, you're like, that's a nice tree. <laughs> now, there was a lot of pressure on this Yule log because it's supposed to burn all through the 12 days of Christmas. Otherwise, it will bring bad luck. And also any difficulty in lighting it in the first place is also a bad omen for the year ahead. <laughs> So like you got to make sure that it's it's pretty well dried out otherwise. I was going to say so you have to cut it down early. You're not cutting yeah. it down like right before you burn it. <laughs> no. Otherwise it has to be well dried out. Bad luck. Um so it's also extremely unlucky. I sent I sent this to Emily in a meme. It's extremely unlucky if the Yule log is touched by a barefooted woman, flat-footed <laughs> woman, or a squinty-eyed man. <laughs> like what the fuck is that? I'm a flat-footed woman. <laughs> I can't touch the Yule log. Is there somebody going around trying to like bring somebody bad luck? You're like, you know, you're flat-footed, so you just go in and start like touching their Yule log. You're like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, and then if you're a flat-footed woman who takes off her socks, it's all over. It's all a drama. <laughs> a fight breaks out. You run in real fast. Ah, I touched it. <laughs> and not even that, a flat-footed visitor to the house while the Yule log is burning is also a bad omen, so you're not allowed to go see anyone else. Oh my goodness. I'm screwed. Me and my poor flat feet. What is the flat foot thing? Like, why, why is it such an issue to have flat feet? <laughs> yeah, for yeah. real, what's wrong with that? We had a, um, it was like in the summertime when we were visiting my family, and I had like walked out until like my mom's like front steps with bare feet <laughs> and all of a sudden my stepdad's like have you always had flat feet and i'm like yeah you never noticed he was like no <laughs> like he just like thought it was so amusing i was like yeah these puppies are real flat <laughs> i'm sure there's a marker for that if you if you go on wiki feet i'm sure there's plenty of flat-footed women on there too for anybody listening wiki feet is uh an encyclopedia of famous famous women's feet for um, all of our foot lovers out there. <laughs> Go nuts. <laughs> I've joked with my husband about like being like, come on, just let me sell pictures of my feet. He's like, you know what people do with those? And I'm like, it's just my feet though. <laughs> yeah. It's just pictures. <laughs> if my face was in it, that would be a problem. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the issue here? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be like flat foot fetish. I'm sure there is. People. There's somebody out there for everyone, Emily. <laughs> I believe in you. I'm doing it, Neve. I'm going to make I'm going to make guacamole with my feet. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so, um as you're burning the yule log, you can collect the ashes and place them at the roots of the fruit trees and vines and it helps them bear a good harvest, which I feel is just good gardening. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Like the, the like nitrogen and all that stuff is in the ashes. Yeah. <laughs> Because you were keeping a piece from the previous year, uh, any pieces that you kept protected your house from fire, lightning or hail. And you could also put the ashes in your well to keep the water good. I don't know if that's a good idea. Drinking like murky water. Yeah. Does it prevent mold or something? I don't know. In Holland, they believe that storing the leftovers of a Yule log under your bed will protect your home from lightning strikes. But they also trace this back apparently to Thor. So Thor just really likes Yule Logs, I guess. <laughs> He'll not, like, strike your house. So the Yule Log also predicted bad luck. If the Yule Log's flame casts someone's shadow without a head, supposedly that person would die within the year. What? Yeah. So it's like, I'm wondering how that would even happen. Like, how are you cast a shadow, but your head's not in the shadow? Yeah, for real. There's a hotel in Chicago. It's called the Congress Hotel. And, um... Apparently, it's, like, super haunted. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, like, one room. It's, like, a ballroom or something where people have weddings. And if bridesmaids have their photos taken in this room, they always appear with no heads. 
Yeah, so that's like this like mythology about this place. And I tried to Google it because I was like, I want to see these photos, mm. but I like couldn't find anything. Uh, but I also like, were the weirdos that would love photos like that? Any other bride would be like, my wedding photos are ruined. We're like, yes. <laughs> I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Yule logs should be made from oak, ash or beech, ritually cut at dawn and ceremonially carried into the house by the head of the family. Uh, and then you make toasts with wine, cider or brandy. And because this was done like at dawn, usually it was your head start into uh, day drinking. <laughs> of course. Yeah, they they actually said it as like it gives participants a jolly head start to the festivities. It's like, what if you have work? <laughs> I'm busy. Yeah. Um, a lesser known tradition is that of the Yule clog, which is I thought it was I thought it was going to be like a, a shoe. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing, but no. It's a knobby block of wood that was burnt in the kitchen hearth. So household servants were entitled to imbibe with their meals as long as the clog was kept burning. So if you're a servant, you're definitely making sure that clog is burning so you can have a drink. (laughs) It's so funny because when you said clog, I immediately thought of like a clog in like the pipes. Oh, really? (laughs) Like the toilet. (laughs) No, I was thinking of like a little like wooden clog shoe. I was like, they're just burning a shoe. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so somebody partied too hard, had too much cheese, and they clogged the toilet. <laughs> the, the Yule clog. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in many parts of Scandinavia, instead of like a knobby block of wood, uh, they burnt a fat wax candle, and and the candle is lit at dawn. Must burn until midnight, or else this will be considered an ill omen. But I feel like if you have kids, they're just gonna go blow it out. Kids love blowing out candles. If you have any hopes for the coming year, you can carve some sort of symbol of them into the log or into a candle that you can place on the log. Or you can also write them on a piece of paper uh, that you add as a decoration and decorate the log with greenery, flowers, ribbons and herbs for a beautiful and magical centerpiece to your home. That is the Yule Log. And that is (laughs) the conclusion of my research on the winter solstice and on yule we we snuck some crafty shit in there at the end <laughs> yeah it sounds awesome i've wanted to do like personally for us i wanted to do like a yule log tradition mm. you know we don't really have no i guess we like we trim trees and stuff like that so we have places that we could get like wood from mm-hmm. but it definitely wouldn't be like a whole tree where we just burn it for 12 days <laughs> keep shoving it into your fireplace <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine what your in the middle of my house? What your dog would be like if you had like an entire tree? <laughs> like, oh, so you're allowed to bring in a branch? <laughs> yeah, she'd be very confused. <laughs> Do you have a tree up? Yeah, we have a Christmas tree. And what are your pets like with it? Pretty much leave it alone. Do they? It's yeah, which is really nice because <laughs> I have many horror stories, including when I was a kid, we had a cat. His name was Simba, real original. <laughs> and I feel like every '90s kid had a cat called Simba. Yeah, or Nala. He climbed the tree and like it just started like falling over. Shit. And my mom, like when she recalls like this memory, she's like, I'm in like my room or something. And all of a sudden I just hear the kids like, mom, mom, <laughs> the tree's falling over. Yeah. Like I, I don't have a tree up this year um, because. Is it because of the new one? Because of my kitten. <laughs> no. The new cat. <laughs> um, no, we don't have one up this year because when Ewan started his like work from home job we moved like our kitchen table into the living room exactly where our tree used to go so we just have no room oh but i'm also kind of like it was only like the last time i had a tree up that my cats were like old enough to like not really care about it that much anymore so like there was a couple of times like ripley ripley loves climbing the tree and i'm just like you're so fat you keep bending everything and (laughs) they ruined the very first tree I had because they're all they're like they're both so heavy and they just like ruined all of the like bent down all the branches (laughs) and it was like they're supposed to bend back up but they won't because you you guys are so fat so then oh my goodness it was only like yeah last time we had it up like Ripley was a little bit better about um like not going into it constantly but I have I'll send you I think it's on my Instagram highlights from like the first her first Christmas and like you and put on like Indiana Jones music of her like climbing the tree and I'm just like oh no oh my god she was obsessed with it and then um so like finally got them to a place where I wasn't constantly trying to hunt them out of the tree or picking up like decorations from the ground and now we have another kitten and he I already know he would be an absolute menace around the tree yeah from what from what you've told me he sounds like he would be like <gasps> oh my god 
a grand toy for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you put this whole thing in here just for me. Like, I was trying to wrap presents yeah. last night, and he kept, like, I had, like, ribbon to wrap around the outside, and um, he kept just dragging it into a different room. There's some of it I have not found. I don't know where he brought it. And Ewan's like, he brought oh that to his lair. And I'm like, but where? <laughs> I've checked everywhere. He clearly has a little stash yeah. somewhere that I'll find later. My cat is, she's the only one who, like, kind of causes tr- trouble with the christmas tree but it's like barely it's like every once in a while when she's like got the zoomies Mm -hmm. she'll just like bat an ornament off of it (laughs) but otherwise it's fine and we get a real tree so yeah thank you everybody for i guess for listening to our yule episode of rowan and pine it's actually our last episode of the year oh my goodness so yeah you made it to the end of 2022 with us i've had a, a pretty good year but we're going to have like a little special event very, very early in January um, that if you follow us on social media, you can catch up with us on. So we're going to do a snack swap uh, for Nolignaman. So Nolignaman in Ireland is Women's Little Christmas. It takes place on the 6th of January and it's a way of honouring all the work that women do in the family home over the Christmas period. 6th of January is normally when you take down your tree, like all of your Christmas decorations and what women are supposed to do is go visit friends and have cake and tea and treats and catch up and put their feet up while everybody else in their household takes over all the chores and gives them a proper day off. So um, for Nolig Naman, Emily and I are going to do a snack swap and we're going to record it on Zoom and we're going to react to some <laughs> some treats that we've never had before. React to snacks. React to snacks. <laughs> and that's going to be our little way of honoring Nolignaman. So make sure you follow us on Rowan and Pine on Instagram. Um, I'll also put it up on Facebook. If you search Rowan and Pine podcast on Facebook, you can email us if you have any other suggestions or ideas for the podcast. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that was our Yule episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This is our last episode for the year 2022. Um, We can't wait to see you on the other side in 2023. Maybe it'll be a better year. Haha, hilarious. Probably won't be. I've been Neve. Yeah, I'm Emily. Fuck yeah, folklore. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye.